Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. We're going way back in time as we go back to 1974 and talk about UFO's Phenomenon album. Uh, request week here at the Metal Exchange, obviously, the first uh, the first Monday of the month. Happy November, my friend. How are you? Yeah, it's uh, this year really, really went quickly. Uh, they seem to be getting faster and faster, but um, it, it's been uh, mostly a kind of back to normal kind of year, um, which we've <laughs> talked about how long has how long it would take for us to get there, and it seems like we're pretty much there. So, uh, you know, Prog Power's back. Uh, Seventy thousand tons just announced that they're set to. Uh, to, to go uh, on as planned uh, in uh, early next year. So um, I, I, we've, you know, like we said last week, we've seen a couple of shows. So uh, I think it's time to uh, get back to normal. So uh, tw- 2022 has been, uh, if, if nothing else, good for that. Yeah, it definitely has been. And, al- and although I think things are normal in certain ways, I think in others they're just as crazy as ever. But that's a story for a story for another podcast when we talk up the political exchange. But again, that's a story for <laughs> another day. Um, I, I have to say, this was an interesting week. There were two albums that really caught my ear. And I don't think that they could be on different, more different sides of the spectrum. First of all, Joe Lynn Turner. Obviously, I know you're familiar with his work with Ingve. He's obviously, you know, his time with Rainbow and Deep Purple. He came out with a solo album that I had been hearing quite a bit about, which is probably something I would not have listened to, but for the fact that people were saying this album belly of the beast was really, really good. And I have to be honest, I enjoyed the heck out of this thing. Um, it was just a really straight up hard rocker, but like no bad songs. He sounds great for a guy who's obviously, you know, he's gotta be in the sixties at this point. Um, just a really, really solid, solid release. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, a two-man project out of the black metal capital of the United States, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, a band <laughs> by the name of Storm Ruler. They came out with an album called Sacred Rights and Black Magic, and it was probably one of my favorite black metal albums that I've heard this year. I'm very picky with black metal, but I thought that they did enough to really make things interesting. They've got some acoustic guitar passages, some like uh, some classical guitar on there. It's not just the same speed with the double bass drums and the and the uh, you know the the harsh vocals throughout that just kind of make it totally bombastic. It was a very interesting listen, and uh, I'll put something of theirs on my latest playlist, which I'll put up on Spotify so that everyone can kind of check this band out. They're a two man band, as I mentioned, and not really getting much uh, notoriety. So we're going to change that. What well, about you? you the return, to- the return of bombastic. Yes, it had. It was. It was time for it to come back. Um, how about yourself? I know, I know you. We kind of talked before, and you were saying that you kind of caught up on a lot. What did you have a chance to hear? Yeah, I think I ran down what I had left last week, and I managed to listen to uh, pretty much all of it. Um, I really enjoyed the new uh, Arena album with Damian Wilson on uh, vocals. Um, always, just I'll listen to anything with him on it, um, and this was uh, just good, good, like good old fashioned prog rock. Uh, at, you know, at its best, it was just a very enjoyable um, experience. I um, I also finally, finally got a chance to listen to um, the new Avantasia album, A Paranormal Evening with the Moonflower Society. Um, say that five times fast. <laughs> and uh, this, 
as is usual with Avantasia, this is something that I'm definitely going to have to listen to a few more times before I get a real, uh, you know, real taste for, for it. But I will say on first listen, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, nothing really unexpected at this point, but um, you know, when you have like a lot of my favorite vocalists in, in Tobias Samet and Michael Kisk and Floor Jansen, um, you can't really go wrong. Bob Catley, who I, I really enjoy quite a bit. And then you have, uh, you know, Jeff Tate on here as well. And um, your boy, Ronnie Atkins. Yeah. Ronnie Atkins, Ralph Sheepers. And, um, and I'm probably missing at least one other vocalist, but it's just such a great lineup of singers and the songwriting is good. I, I definitely thought uh, at least in a, in a spot or two that there was some definite Ed guy vibes, which was very welcome to hear. Um, but this is something that I'm going to definitely have to listen to a few more times to really get, um, uh, like we, we've been using the word dense a lot lately. And I feel like, you know, Avantasia albums are usually for pretty dense for a symphonic power metal. Um, so I definitely want to, uh, give that another listen and same goes. I also listened to the new Avata- Avatarium album, death wears your sting as well as, uh, Royal hunts dystopia part two. And I enjoyed both of those, but again, um, I think this, again, this is something I'm going to want to have to listen to uh, again as well. And uh, shout out to Nops for the um, virtual symmetry recommendation. I listened to their uh, self-titled album that came out uh, this year, and it was quite good. Uh, it gave it gave me um, some Seventh Wonder vibes, but maybe like a little bit uh, crunchier, a little bit heavier, um, but definitely had those seventh wonder keyboard vibes and um the vocals kind of reminded me a little bit of tommy karavik so um i thought this was good did you did you get a chance to listen to this by any chance yeah it's funny you had mentioned them earlier in the week to me and when i when you did i said oh i'm gonna put this on right and so i i hit play and the first song is 20 minutes and i had to (laughs) jump into a meeting so i didn't get very far into the album (laughs) i.e. I got through the first track before I had to run and, and I got caught up. I did not get a chance to hear the rest of it. But um, on both of your recommendations, I will go back to it. I think that this is something that just uh, skipped me or kind of passed me by. I was familiar with some of their older stuff, if memory serves correctly. But this was uh, – I, I didn't have a chance to really digest this. Um, I did listen to The Royal Hunt. I did listen to some of the other albums that you mentioned. Um, and I just wanted to say about Avantasia – it's interesting. I thought with that band, like when I first heard the metal opera, and I mentioned this when we when we talked about this in the archives, that album hit me like a ton of bricks the second I put it on, just immediately sucked me in. What I found is that with their most recent albums, maybe their last four or five albums, it's taken me a longer time to really appreciate or even, dare I say, enjoy some of the material. I remember the first time I heard... What was the album the Scarecrow was on? Is that um was it was the name of the album the Scarecrow? It might have been. Um I know that, it was the, al- I think it was their third album after yes. Metal Opera Part uh 2. That song is now one of my favorite songs of all time, but I remember when I heard that disc, I it didn't grab me because it was kind of a stark contrast to those first two albums. And that's obviously the style they've continued with. And although it's in my opinion fairly straightforward, it is dense, and I need repeated listens to really, I guess, appreciate some of that stuff. And it's a shame because in today's environment where there's just such a bombardment of new music, 
Sometimes I don't give stuff the amount of listens that it otherwise warrants, and it's a shame because I should. Um, but this one, because of the history and because of the fact that I did like this on its first listen, I'm going to go back to this again. Um, whereas like the Royal Hunt album, I liked it. I just didn't think it was spectacular, and I don't know how much time I'm going to have to go back to that necessarily, even though obviously I like the band. It's just It seemed like it was more in the same vein as the last album, which was good, but not great. Yeah, well, I mean, being that it's part two, it kind of makes sense. But I remember with part one, um, I felt the same way after I listened to it the first time. But actually, the more I listened to it, the more it grabbed me. And 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 just to um, try to mirror what you had to say about Avantasia, like it's the same thing. After the the first two metal opera albums, I feel like they they got like a lot more, I guess, de- just dense for a lack of a better term. It, and it was the Scarecrow was that third full length album um, that I feel like they, the songs just got deeper and like more intricate and the albums by Avantasia that I've enjoyed the most since then, are the ones that I've listened to the most times or given the most time to, to get into. I probably ghost lights is probably my favorite just because mm. I listened to that album so many times in anticipation of seeing them live that that album is just like ingrained in my head um i just i love that album so much whereas i didn't listen to moon glow nearly as much and i enjoyed it but i don't look back on it with as much favor probably just because i didn't listen to it as much so it'll be interesting i definitely plan on going back and listening to this again same with the royal hunt because like i said before dystopia part one i didn't think much of the first time i listened to it but i really ended up liking it and i think it made it onto my my top 50 or 20 i forgot where it landed in the in the top 50 last year but it did end up making the list which i didn't think it would after the first listen it's just interesting how some things you just you listen to once like uh that band that Jonas tur- turned us onto, um, uh, I've, I'm blanking on their their name. Um, it, you sent me, uh, uh, you put one of their tracks on your latest playlist. Um, yep. That I, I've I've been listening to that um, that song Sayonara. Um, yeah. and it's it's such a it's such a, a I mean it's such a Dragon Force esque song, but they do it so well. It's just so fun. Um, so it's something like that. You just listen to it once, and you're just like, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna feel any differently about this after ten listens than I do after the first. But some of these right, other no better, things, no worse type of thing. Just right, enjoy yeah. Those, you know. And and I never thought Avantasia would be that kind of band for me because the like you said, those first two metal operas like just hit you over the head like a ton of bricks. Um, but I think those felt more like like standard power metal albums, whereas these more recent uh, albums from them are really more like there's just a lot more pomp and circumstance, I guess. To, I more rock opera than it is just a collection of yeah, power metal tunes. I, I've seen so many um, comparisons to Meatloaf with their I, newer I with their newer bad. albums, and and I, I remember reading somewhere that. Uh, Tobias tried to get Meatloaf to do. Wow. He wrote, um, he wrote "Mystery of a Blood Red Rose" for Meatloaf. Wow, I did and, not know that. That's yeah, cool. and it was funny because I remember Knops when he started getting into Avantasia. He was like, "This sounds like a Meatloaf song," and I'm like, "Well, it's funny you should mention that because it was written for Meatloaf, and unfortunately, Meatloaf is no longer with us." And I think we had mentioned that when he passed, that he happens to be the. Um, the father-in-law of Scott Ian of Anthrax of, of all connections there. But uh, yeah, um, 
Avantasia, great band. <laughs> yeah, a long way of coming back to good stuff. Um, let's talk about some UFO. This this is this was a really interesting request. It comes from us from uh, listener Patrick Celsa. So thank you so much for the request. Um, and we're going back. What is it? Almost fifty years. This album uh, came out. What is it? May nineteen seventy four. I can't believe that this album is is nearly 50 years old. I think it makes it the second oldest album that we've covered after the Black Sabbath debut. Oh, don't shows. forget about the Monkees. Oh, yeah. How could I forget? I'm sorry. <laughs> the second oldest metal album that we've done, unless you, you think go. that the Monkees are a precursor to metal, but I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of saying that. So s- second oldest metal album, third oldest album that we've done. And this is a band, I think, that is wildly 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 underrated because they don't get the radio play that some of their other contemporaries got in terms of your zeppelins and even your deep purples these guys best of my knowledge i don't think i've ever heard them on classic rock radio this um this band uh, this was really like my first real deep dive into any of their stuff and and all i could think of while listening to it is like how is this not on the radio with everything else that um right. you know because I grew up on classic rock radio um 104.3 and 92.3 uh growing up on Long Island my mom would listen to uh right I think it was actually 102.7 and 92.3 back in the day and then there was some shifting around but when I was a kid those were the two classic rock stations so um I I mean I figure if anything I would have heard Doctor Doctor but not even that um so this was really a, a just a, a brand new experience. Like I said last year, it's like um, listening to something new that, that happens to be quite old, um, w- which is always kind of fun to do. And uh, I was, I got like so many vibes from different classic rock bands that are so much more well-known from, I mean, even now with like satellite radio, I don't really remember seeing UFO come on. I mean, not unless uh, Eddie Trunk is, is DJing the show. I know he's a big, ufo fan um well to that point my only real exposure to this band was eddie trunk's radio show that i used to listen to religiously when i was in college or law school kind of driving late at night on a friday night or even saturday he had a show for a bit and that was my exposure to the band though i gotta be honest i couldn't tell you what songs i heard 20 years ago i just know that i was listening to this band and i probably knew you know, six to eight, maybe 10 songs at the most, just because he would play them so much. And then, and I'm sure we'll get to it, but I'll, I'll kind of, you know, I'll, I'll get to it now. I just remember the first time I saw Iron Maiden and I heard the intro tape and I said to myself, what in the hell is this song? It's amazing. And it just blew me away. And obviously it was Dr. Doctor, but, um, that turned me on. I, I think it was the first time I saw them, but I, I know they've been using that as an intro tape for many, many, many years. Um, but that was my introduction to, to the band in many respects. Um, they have had a million lineup changes over over the years. And really, Phil Mogg, the singer, who unfortunately is in ill health, as, as we've mentioned in the past, um, he's the one constant, the vocalist. Whereas this particular album, going back to 74, was Andy Parker on drums, Pete Way on bass, and the incomparable Michael Schenker on guitar, obviously founding member of, of, you know, the, or early member of the Scorpions. And then, you know, would join UFO and be in and out of that band a million times. And 
and whatnot. I actually saw Michael Schenker on 70,000 tons of metal of all places in 2020. So I've, I've got to see him live, but I never got to see him um, with UFO. And I think I had mentioned on the podcast, if this band was touring, I would definitely go see them. I, I, I really enjoyed this album a, a lot more than I thought I would. And it's just a shame that they were never bigger, at least here in the States, because they're not mentioned with, with some of the bands that I mentioned earlier and, and they don't get the radio play and the love that they probably deserved. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, oddly enough, like the last, the, the last time we saw Iron Maiden, which was only a couple of weeks ago, when, when Dr. Doctor started playing, I mean, I thought that it was like, a like an original Iron Maiden song, like, a like a Paul Diano era, like, cause it sounded like it could have been off of the, the first Iron Maiden album or killers. It kind of had that vibe, which is so interesting because there's also songs on phenomenon that you would never mistake for an Iron Maiden song, but Dr. Doctor kind of fits that early Iron Maiden vibe. So um, it's funny. You mentioned that Iron Maiden does a studio cover of the song as a B side with Blaze Bailey singing. Oh, yeah, I'd and like to amazing. hear that. I will send it to you. In fact, I'm going to I have to post it because I feel like it's something people if they haven't heard, they need to hear. It's just a really really good cover and I I loved it and I'm not the biggest Blaze Bailey fan, but he just does a really good job on this particular track and it's definitely worth a listen. So, you know, the fan obviously Maiden is a fan and you know, they were kind of a precursor to Iron Maiden, so it it makes sense. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll talk more about that song, you know, when, when we get to yeah. it. Yeah. Well, before we um, before we d- dig into the tracks, I, I got a um, I got a little blurb from Patrick who awesome. uh, Let's hear who it. chose this, and he said he he kept it short, but he said um, I picked this album because as a kid it was one of my gateway albums into metal. I think just like with rock and metal as a whole, there is something as a whole for everyone. You've got your hard rock, some acoustic slash folk esque songs, and even a couple of space rock esque tunes. And of course, Doctor Doctor and Rock Bottom are absolute bangers. So any, um, so uh, I would make any excuse to listen to those. Thanks again. Uh, funny enough, I'm seeing Michael Schenker in a couple of days, so perfect timing. That's so awesome. uh, thanks That's again really cool. to uh, Patrick, and we appreciate the request. And and like I always say, I, I always enjoy kind of going back in time and listening to stuff that I just missed. And this is happens to be another one of those uh, albums. So um, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's dig in. Well, and, and to that point, I think it's, it's always hard to go back to certain bands when they have a massive discography. I mean, they have, it's gotta be more than 20, maybe close to 25 studio albums, something like that overall. So when you have a, a back catalog, that's so large and dare I say daunting, um, it's 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 hard to kind of find a place to start, right? And and just to kind of expand on what I said, twenty two studio albums, fourteen live recordings, and over twenty million albums sold. But again, they they're not as well known as many of the other bands that I'm sure we're going to mention because many of these tracks did sound like somebody else to me, and you they were clearly either borrowing from or got ripped off by these other bands in many respects. So it's, it's interesting. Um, let's get into it. Uh, the, the, the album kicks off with a really kind of hard rocking song called, Oh my, uh, at least on my copy. And I say that, I say that because a lot of the stuff, I guess that come like my, my 
release of this album is kind of different than some of the other releases that have come out. If that makes sense. In other words, I've seen releases where too young to know is the starting track and oh my is opening side two. So I'm curious to know what you started with as your first song, because I've seen it go both ways. Yeah. I, I just am noticing that now too. Um, I thought maybe that I had like I, something I had it in the wrong order, but I also have Oh My as the opening track, which now that I know both songs, I feel like this song makes more sense as the first song. But um, I, the Wikipedia entry shows Too Young to Know as the uh, the first track. So. Yeah, we can we can start there. I just know that my copy was you know flipped. I mean, everything else is is, is in order, but the the first and the sixth track kind of like the start to side one and side two were were flipped. Um, so pick take 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 your pick. I'll be happy to discuss either one. No, we can start with uh, Oh My since that was the first track for both of us. Yeah, uh, gr- really good hard rocking tune and kind of sets the tone or sets the table for the rest of of the album. Michael Schenker does a lot of bluesy guitar work here. And I think the comparisons to Jimmy Page are just, you know, very apt, if you, if that makes sense. But the difference is this particular song and one or two other songs as well also had like a real Southern rock feel to me. And I hear a lot of Creedence Clearwater Revival, a touch of Leonard Skinner maybe. Uh, but to me, what I, I noticed two particular things about this little track. Number one, I, I thought the guitars really, really shined. And number two, I thought the mix was just absolutely superb for an album that's 50 years old. Every instrument pops in its own way, and it would continue for the rest of the album. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing when a band that comes out with like a modern album and it doesn't sound as good as this album that came out in 1974. So that's right. I agree with you there. I got a lot of uh, I got a lot of Leonard Skinner vibes from uh, uh, certain songs on this album. This one being one of them. I think there's another one a bit later on that was even more. But um, it's if if you had if I had listened to this album with no knowledge of the band, I'm not sure I would have guessed that they were from the UK and not like a Southern American rock band. Oh, I agree. Not every track, but this one in particular. One or two others that I'll mention. Um, but yeah, it's 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 almost like a blend of Led Zeppelin and Leonard Skinner in a lot of these tracks, and at least to me. Um, but I thought it was a cool opener. It's not my favorite track. Uh, it's a touch repetitive in many ways, but it's short enough that it doesn't feel like you're getting hit over the head, if that makes sense. Um, not my favorite track, but a, a good way to start the album. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page with you there. Um, I, I would put it probably towards the back end of the songs that I enjoyed most on this album, but I also do agree that it's, uh, I think it was the right, well, maybe I was going to say the right choice for the first track, but maybe it wasn't uh, initially how it was meant to be. Um, Again, like I said, I think we'll talk more about it when we get up to it, but I think that to me, that Too Young to Know makes, sounds better as an opening track to me, but I guess if you're looking at it as a, a vinyl record or a cassette tape, I mean, either song is is kicking off the beginning of a side regardless of uh which copy you have i guess so um but yeah good tune um the the follow-up song crystal light um which is not about uh calorie free fruit drinks as (laughs) if you could believe it um i i really really like this song that they're their mellower songs to me are really good. Like I, I was, uh, I found myself really gravitating towards some of the 
the more ballady stuff. And this one was one of them that I just really, really liked this one. I will take it one step further. I will say this. And I'm going to lump Dr. Doctor into it for a second because that's the third track. Dr. Doctor is the best song on the album. And it's actually one of my favorite songs of all time. I am a huge mark for that particular song. It was too easy for me to choose that as the song of the week, as the one song I really knew off of the album going into it. Crystal Light is my song of the week. And the reason I'm choosing it is because every time I listened to it, I I liked it the first time. I really liked it the second time. And by the end, I was like really looking forward to this track. There's a lot to like here. The intro reminds me of Boston, right? Like, which I is a band that I kind of love those first two Boston albums. And even though it's a slower number, I wouldn't call it a ballad. I, I would just say it's a little bit of a slower number. I think the verses are really awesome. I think that the use of the backing vocals, especially during the chorus is a nice touch. And it almost touches on gospel. Like I almost hear like the Elvis Presley gospel thing in certain spots on this track, really bluesy solo a la Jimmy page. Um, and, and the chorus just sticks in your head. It's my song of the week. I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of this track and I would have never guessed it, um, you know, going into the week because I did, I just didn't expect them to sound like this. Well, I think everyone should, uh, fix themselves up a little, uh, Calorie-free iced tea drink, and and we'll give a we'll give it a little bit of a listen. I like it. Let's do it. There you have it. I, I think that's just a really, really solid tune. And, and, and as I mentioned, it's a precursor to just an all-time classic, classic song. The one song I knew on this album, um, too easy to be the song of the week. But Dr. Dr. Man, an absolutely epic intro, epic riffs, amazing drumming, bass lines that are phenomenal, and arguably the best vocal performance on the entire album. And it's got the metal exchange gallop. I mean, what's there not to like about <laughs> Dr. Doctor? Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's like the first time I listened to this album was just like days after we had seen Iron Maiden. And I'm like, oh, well, that's where this song came from. But every um, time I hear it, I feel like the, I, I get depressed because all of a sudden it ends. And no disrespect to Space Child, but I, I expect Maiden to come out and start playing Aces High. It just hey, doesn't listen, happen. No, you just make your playlist. Do you do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> it's my little world. Um, yeah, exactly. Shout out to I, Bob Ross. The, the joy of iTunes. Um, <laughs> the uh, Oddly enough, the, the beginning of the song reminds me of an album that we talked about a really long time ago on our second episode, uh, cry for freedom from the walls of Jericho album by Halloween, the way that it kind of like starts out kind of, um, 
like almost like mellow and spacey. And then it just like, bum, bada, bum, bada, bum, bada, bum, bada, bum, gets right into the gallop, as you said. Um, of all things, that's just kind of what it reminds me of. It makes me wonder if, um, if maybe Wikey was a fan of UFO and maybe he borrowed that. Um, I think, I think Wikey co-wrote cry for freedom with, with Kai, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is just a really great, just kick ass song. Like, especially after the first two tracks, you'd never see this one coming if you didn't know any better, because you know, the first track is kind of, like you said, has like that Southern rock kind of vibe. And then the second track has this mellow, I guess mellow Southern rock kind of vibe. And then this one comes in and it sounds like we said before, like early uh, Iron Maiden, um, just a really good song. But uh, you know, we, we were talking during the, 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 during uh, crystal light there that, um, you know, neither one of us are going to choose it as our song of the week, just because we felt like it was a little too easy. Um, so you'll probably have noticed that it was the intro to the episode. So um yeah, you chose Crystal Light. I'm going to choose something else, but um, not to take anything away. This is a real awesome song, and it's uh, I have to say one of my favorite um, one of my favorite songs I've discovered uh, in in 2022. Uh, just happens nice. to be 48 years old. <laughs> I, I, and one other thing, I think, and it's a good point to mention it as we get into Space Child. Actually, it's a perfect time. All these tracks sound so different from one another, and I think that that was part of the charm for me. There was one or two on the back end that had a very similar feel, and they were right one after the other, ironically enough. But for the most part, the song sounds so different that it made it not only an enjoyable or a pleasant listen, but the songs really kind of jumped out because it wasn't like they, you know, it wasn't like it was the same pacing and the same song over and over again. And and Patrick mentioned it, you know, Space Child, this has a whole like space, or I call it like a psychedelic vibe to it. Um, it's almost like a vocal solo in in spots because it's just the, I think the, the vocals kind of shine above something else. And it has this really slow payoff, which builds to an extended guitar solo, which is kind of cool and interesting. I can't say this is my favorite track, um, but the vocals and, and, and the bass line, which the, the, the bass lines on this particular album, and I don't think I've mentioned it to this point, but the the way that Pete Way's mixed in this album, the bass lines shine in a number of different tracks, this being one of them. And it's just, I don't know that he gets the love that a Michael Schenker is going to get or, or, or Phil Mogg, but he is fantastic uh, and really kind of drives this ship forward. Well said. The spaceship, if you will. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, again, kind of, um, I didn't like it quite as much as Crystal Light, but I do like it a lot um, as far as being another kind of softer tune, but this one I think has a little more technical prowess involved. Um, just a cool, cool tune. Uh, definitely has kind of that, like uh, that seventies, um, like David Bowie, uh, like glam, glam rock, space rock kind of thing going on. Um, but with like a Leonard Skinner kind of uh, twist to it. So uh, I thought this was, was uh, pretty cool. And yeah, I, I, and you're totally right. Like every, every song just has like its own kind Flavor. of like, yeah, which is really cool. Um, it, it made it hard to pick a favorite song for that reason. Um, but I, I found that all the songs were, were really enjoyable in their own way. Well, let's, let's get to the, the end of side a, which is rock bottom. What do you think about this one? 
Oh, Dwayne Johnson's favorite UFO song by far. Um, <laughs> no, no question about that. I, I, I did, I did a little interview with him uh, during a um, couple of shots of Terramana, and um, <laughs> he said that uh, he said he doesn't really want to talk about wrestling, but he does want to talk about how Rock Bottom is his favorite UFO song of all time. <laughs> um, some of that story may not be true. Um, yeah, but do you echo his? imaginary sentiments is, is my question uh it's not my favorite ufo song of all time um it, it's um it's it's pretty good i don't think it's as good as dr doctor as far as i think this is the second like kind of fast-paced or heavier tune on the album or, or i guess it's the third if you count um oh my um this one like though like you know it's got the the guitar solo and uh it's this is really just kind of like a straight up um straight up 70s old rock tune it's 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 really uh quite quite good it's just not um not my favorite i like dr dr uh, a smidge better although i do like it better than oh my I, what's interesting to me is that this is in my opinion like the heaviest song on the album and it has a lot of a black sabbath feel to it in yeah. the spots um Agreed. and and especially when you think 1974 I mean, Sabbath was heavier, quote unquote, but this was this was close. And and what was interesting is that they kind of help this this bridge about midway through the song, which kind of brings this from a dare I say upbeat tune to kind of a dark place, uh, kind of a dark element to the song, which I guess makes sense given the title, right? Rock bottom, and then just kind of the the bottom falls out on you. And I almost wonder if it was done on purpose that way where it starts off almost like heavy and upbeat and then just really gets kind of dark and gloomy. Then it starts to pick up again during the instrumental section before, before, uh, you know, a a, a cool outro. This is a good song. I actually like this one quite a bit. Um, I would put it on definitely in the top half of songs on the album, just because I thought it was a really creative bit of songwriting on their part. Yeah. I thought the chorus was a little pedestrian, but, um, but on the other side of that, the the guitar riffs during the chorus are really yes. like heavy and memorable. So that kind of makes up for the fact that like the rock bottom vocal part it, that that's just kind of boring and repetitive. Um, it kind of gives it a little bit more life, and I think that's uh, pretty cool. But like I said, like outside besides Doctor Doctor, I really found myself enjoying the the softer tunes more than the heavier tunes, which is. I guess a little bit surprising. So based on that, I'm going to assume that you didn't love Time on My Hands, which we'll call it the sixth track or the start of side B, because it's kind of in a similar vein. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I messed up. Too too young to know, right? That's, I guess, how we're going to kick off the second side. Um, This, to me, has a Skinner vibe to it, like through and through. Bluesy, Southern rock, awesome chorus, cool verses. This to me should have been their radio hit, and maybe it was. I don't know, but to me, this is the one that I can really just hear on classic rock radio even to this day. I thought it was a good start, and the reason I bring up time on my hands was because to me that was in a very similar vein as to Too Young to Know. So I, I, I kind of get them not confused, but I, I do think they blend into one another. Um, but I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit because I have something else I want to add. But Too Young to Know, what are your thoughts? Uh, this was the one that really gave me the Skinner vibes for yeah. sure. The especially that kind of twangy guitar. Um, yeah. But uh, also a little bit of early Rush 
reminded me as well, just a, a just a touch because early Rush has a totally different vibe than what they would. You know, we did we talked about twenty one twelve, and I'm talking about even before that, like you know, Working Man era um, yeah. has a little bit more of a of a more classic rock, like not as proggy just yet more of a, you know, kind of heavier, you know, in the, the Led Zeppelin sort of vein and really kind of not too far off from this. Um, so, um, yeah, this was, um, this was one of the, uh, the songs I, I think I liked, um, most, uh, on the album. Just it so, really, uh, like you said, like it really has that like, um, accessible radio kind of flavor to it. Um, just uh really solid, solid tune. Um, I like the, yeah, I like this one quite a bit. Um, so based on that, but that logic, said, right? that said, I I do like um, I do like Oh My better as the first track on the album. I think this is a better song, but I think it, it fits better in the middle than at the beginning. So I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that time on my hands is actually one of your favorite tracks on the album, right? Because to me, it's a very similar vein, and it kind of reminds me of this like old drinking tune where you just want to go to the bar grab a drink and have time on my hands playing in the background. Um, I'm not a big scotch guy, but if I was a scotch guy, I think I would want to drink it with this song on Um, just one of my favorite guitar solos on the entire album. And, and the reason is because it's, it's one of those things where Schenker's guitar almost sings to you as he's playing it. You can almost like feel the, the emotion dripping through that solo. I love this song and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you did as well. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. I, I happen to like this song quite a bit. Um, it, uh, what does it remind me of? Um, it, it reminds me a little bit of like a, a like a, a chiller Led Zeppelin tune. Um, again, though, with a little bit of that kind of Southern rock kind of, uh, I mean, I don't know if they're from Southern UK. I mean, <laughs> maybe that's what Southern. it is. No, they're, they're, they're from London. So that, that would make sense now that you mention it. Well, there you go. So it's still Southern rock, just not Southern American rock. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is just, like you said, it's just like a really chill song. Like, uh, you know, maybe you, uh, maybe you have a glass of scotch, maybe you, uh, smoke a joint. I don't know. This is just a, like a really mellow kind of like, but just really, kind of good almost reminds me of just like those really good like grateful dead songs that you could just kind of listen to and it's just got a like a nice pace to it and it's just a just just a really enjoyable just like rock tune like it's mostly um like acoustic guitar like it's just like i don't know you 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 really know me because this is uh I, i i don't i'm not gonna make it my song of the week but it is one of my favorite uh one of my favorite songs on this album for sure nice um, I, I, I had a feeling and I'll say this, mo- these tracks are all written by, by Schenker and Mog, except, except track eight, which is called build for comfort and built for comfort. It's written by Willie Dixon, who is an American blues musician, vocalist, songwriter, etc. So I think there's a reason why this track is like kind of like a slower jam type of thing. Um, I, I have some thoughts on this, but before I get to it, I want to hear your thoughts on build for comfort. It was probably my least favorite song on the album, honestly. Um, and and that now that I realize that it's it was not written by a member of the band, it kind of makes sense to me. Um, if you're into like that kind of like slow bluesy kind of classic rock with like the suggestive lyrics, I guess if you want to put it that way, I, I don't know who exactly this 
reminds me of. Um, I don't know if it's like a George Thorogood or something like that. With a little <laughs> less Never punch to it. Never thought we'd be discussing him on the Metal Exchange. Yeah, there you are. go. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's fine for what it is. It's just not really my favorite kind of kind of song. So um, it's my least favorite song on an album that I enjoyed quite a bit. So I, I agree with you, but I'll say one thing. I feel like this is the song that they should play live and just turn it into more of like an extended jam session, like something that a fish or a Grateful Dead would do. This song, not my favorite on the album, but I feel like if I saw them play this live and just kind of extend the solos out and jam for a bit and then go back and end it, I think I would enjoy it more. But on, yeah. as as produced on the album, the the weakest of the weakest preferably, of the tracks. Preferably with that guy who was sitting in front of us at Iron Maiden who smoked so much pot that I'm almost positive I had a, a serious contact high for most of that show because I was like... And the walk I, home. Uh, yeah, I was like, "Woo, uh, feeling good." Uh, <laughs> so. Sidebar: the, I don't think he could get up out of his seat. There were there were people actually trying to walk through the aisles, and I think he was literally just stuck to his seat because he was so out of his mind. But eh, he, you know, he obviously enjoyed Doctor Doctor then too. Yeah, well, his uh, his seat was built for comfort, not for speed. Uh, there I you go. Say, I like I it. Say that. Um, All I could think of when I was listening to this song is. Um, that scene in, in Wedding Crashers when um, Vince Vaughn is asking Owen Wilson um, if he mo- did you motorboat him? You, <laughs> were they built for speed or comfort? Like that's just all I could think of when listening to this song. So <laughs> I love thank it. you, Vince Vaughn, for uh, ruining yet another song. <laughs> <laughs> um, that brings us to Lipstick Traces, and there's a lot of suggestiveness I think throughout throughout this album. This is the one instrumental track on the album, uh, and it's perfectly situated for my money in terms of the placement on the album right before the last track um awesome guitar tone awesome mix and just this short little bluesy number that kind of fits perfectly like almost like a glove after the one album the one song they didn't write and then this epic track which will ultimately be your song of the week i think yes um yeah i like this a lot um Every time I listen to it, I'm like waiting for somebody to start singing because I just feel like it, it would probably lend itself really well to um, some some lyrics. But um, it, it still is great even without lyrics. It's just a really nice, well done, um, just like an enjoyable kind of uh, like a guitar ballad, I guess you could put yeah. it. It's just a very has a very kind of countryish uh, feel, countryish kind of twang to it, but really good. Um, Really good guitar tones, like you mentioned. Um, just, I, I just really enjoyed this, and I thought that it made for a great way to kick into Queen of the Deep, which um, I, I honestly thought you, you were going to choose as your song of the week. So I was mm-hmm. kind of preparing myself to pick something else, but since you, uh, since you chose Crystal Light, I'm, I'm going to choose this instead. So um, we'll give it a, a quick listen, and then, um, and then you can kind of. Uh, Chime in with your thoughts and then I will follow up. So here it is, Queen of the Deep.
that was that was an excellent choice for for a song of the week. I like this one a lot as well. And what I liked about it is it was really your first taste of a true ballad on the album, at least the way that it starts. But then it kind of picks up almost like a power ballad, like one of the '80s power ballads, but you know, in the UFO way. Phenomenal, phenomenal guitar solo. And I almost and I like how that after this extended instrumental section, they kind of go back into that driving riff that kind of permeates the beginning of the song. I just thought the whole thing was very well constructed um, and a great way to kind of to end the album. Not my favorite track, um, but a very, very solid end. And I'm, I'm kind of curious twofold. Why did you think I was going to choose it and B and B, what made you choose it yourself? Uh, I thought you were going to choose it because I knew you were going to say choosing Dr. Doctor would be too easy. I just knew that that you were going to say that. Um, And I kind of agree because I felt the same way. Um, I think if I had I not heard it at the Iron Maiden show and just went into this album not recognizing (laughs) anything, I might have chosen it. But I almost felt like that um, almost disqualified it from contention. Um, Once it hit the PA system, it was all over. Yeah. What are you going to do? so, uh, so I don't know. I think I just thought you would pick it just because I liked it so much. I figured you probably liked it too. But um, again, it, it it's another one of those songs that starts out really kind of mellow and unassuming, and then it picks up this um, this almost like kind of rush esque kind of riff, and then it kicks off a little bit more of a, a more of a mid tempo, like kind of like the meat and potatoes of of the song. Um, uh, but just like that, that um, that recurring guitar riff that goes on throughout the song, and then like the, I just think like the, the um, the vocal melodies are just so good. Like it just all comes together and makes for like this really great um, ending to to this album, which is a re- I found to be a really easy listen all the way through. It's a sh- it's it's pretty short. All the songs are are pretty to the point. Um, Everything, nothing kind of drags on and everything sounds different from one another. So like, you don't really feel like you're listening to the same thing repeatedly. And then with this song at the end, you get a little bit of that kind of ballad, you know, mellow, soft, I don't want to say soft rock, but kind of a softer tune at the beginning. Um, Just your classic kind of just mid-tempo gate um, in the middle. And then towards the end, just more of that, like really well done uh, guitar, like solo work and, um, just overall, I think this was just a really good tune. And um, it was the one that I found myself really looking forward to listening to each time I went back and listened to this album. And I'll say this, you you talked about it being like an easy listen. I found myself wanting to listen to it at my office when I was at work, because it was the kind of thing where I could put it on and not be completely embarrassed when people would walk in and hear me listening to (laughs) Storm Ruler, which I mentioned earlier, because I, I just didn't think that people would want to hear me listening to black metal in my office. So when, when I, when I have something like this on, it just, it's just, it was just a great album to work to. And it made me want to kind of go back and listen to some of their other stuff because, um, as daunting as it is with 21 other studio albums, there's a lot here that I feel like I'm missing that I would like. And, and to that point, I'm curious to see what you're going to give it on a scale of one to 10 because, I wasn't sure what you would give it at the beginning of the week, but I have a feeling it's going to be better than you thought it was going to be now having digested this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't have any idea what I was going to think about this because in all honesty, like I really didn't know what to expect. Um, 
but uh yeah it, it really did catch me by surprise and um i think i was expecting it to be more like more hard rock or just like more consistently hard rock and there are hard rock songs on here but there also is a lot of just chill kind of mellow just softer type rock music which as somebody who grew up listening to tons of classic rock that is totally okay with me i i um i found myself actively looking forward to putting this on uh during the week which is cool it's not always sometimes some of the stuff we listen to it's it's it stretches my um my taste buds i guess (laughs) to say the least uh speaking of black metal um you know certain (laughs) things or or even like a band for another one yeah like um a band like candle mass where it's like you know you kind of need to be in a you need to be in the right kind of headspace to kind of um, ingest it. Whereas I feel like this is just, it's just so easy to, to just take in. And, and so um, uh, that all being said, um, I, I'm going to give this one, um, I'm going to give it a seven and a quarter. Um, I, I, uh, I think this is going to be another one of those things that I end up going back to um, and enjoying more with time. But um I just thought this was really solid and I'm glad that um, Patrick chose it because I'm not sure I would have ever listened to it. And I, God knows if either one of us would have ever even chose this to, to, to cover at some point. So um, yeah, uh, just really glad to just add another, um, add another, like, you know, missed uh, another missed album to the, to the, the repertoire, if you will. I am, I'm with you seven and a half for me. I really, really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, like I said, it's the, it's the kind of band where I'm just going to go back while I'm at work and kind of have this stuff on. I, I was earlier this week. I listened to Genesis's, uh, Gen- yeah, easy for me to say selling England by the pound by Genesis. <laughs> and I thought it was just a really interesting proggy listen at work, but this was even more enjoyable, you know, when I would play it in the office because it was just so straightforward and I didn't have to think that much, but you could just kind of immerse yourself in, in the sound. So good choice, good selection. Uh, thanks for the request. And uh, before we before we run, just a couple of news items. A lot, a lot of tour news, or, or so it seems. Um, normally, we focus on the uh, U.S. side of things, but just uh, some European shows that were announced for next spring. A band that we've talked about briefly, although through the lens of Soen, and that's Slipknot, who is doing a tour next June. I think they're doing like a two-week run of shows at a number of festivals out in Europe. I, I don't know. Like... They're so popular, but I can't say that I'm familiar with this band at, at all. And maybe I'm missing something, or maybe I just don't get the shtick. But they, they, they are huge, and they continue to be huge after what twenty years. Well, they wrote the best Soen song I've heard in a while, so <laughs> <laughs> they got that going for them. Uh, and then coming back to American shores, uh, death metal veterans Morbid Angel are embarking on a U.S. tour in early 2023. It starts on March 15th in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, winds up uh, going back down to Florida on April 22nd. Part of me just thinks they're going to be on 70,000 tons because it just makes sense and it would be a month before they they embark on this tour. So I'll get myself ready for that. Um, But yeah, those are just two of the bigger tours that are lined up for the spring. Um, I'm I'm curious because I know that you said you had some news items as well to kind of rapid fire at me. So bring them on, my friend. Let's hear uh, all right. I, these are not planned. I am just pulling this up and 
and just letting him rip. Um, so, um, I don't know. I hadn't heard this, but did you know that they're um, working on a, a Nick Menza documentary? No, really. Yeah, it's, I had um, no idea. What's what's the what's the premise or the driving force behind that? Uh, it says that um, it's current. Uh, David Ellison has said that it is currently being edited. Um, it's going to be called "This Was My Life: The Story of Nick Menza." Uh, Ellison's a co-producer, um, and it said it will provide narration, or he will provide narration to guide the viewer through the exploration of the late Megadeth drummer's life. Um, It will consist of eight or nine songs built around Nick's um, unreleased drum riffs that Menza recorded for a project he started working on between 2013 and 2015. And uh, Ellison played bass on a few of the tracks and is also serving as the project's executive producer. So I I thought that that was pretty interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. What else do we have? Um, uh, I, th- I'm not reading this from my list here, but um, they uh, bands continue to roll out for uh, 70,000 tons of metal. And I just saw recently um, Camelot and uh, Corpaclani, uh filling out those the, the Ks, if you will. Um, did they announce any new bands today by any chance? Yeah, Uli John Roth was Oh, announced. right, you mentioned that uh, before. But other, but other than that, um, it's kind of been, an, I don't know, like... I, I'm not. I, I never thought I would get to the point where I was not excited to see Camelot, and maybe it's because they're headlining Prague Power, so I knew I had that held in abeyance. But like that announcement should have excited me more, and it really, it didn't. Um, not that it's bad by any means, but to me, Nightwish is definitely the draw with Insomnium at this point. Those first two bands that were announced, they were two for two, and since then it's been a little bit of a little bit lukewarm. Although Uli John Roth will be cool, just you know, from the classic standpoint. Yeah, well, that band that um, is just Branches for a logo, I believe, is playing as well. So if you want to see Branches play at, at, on over on a, on a boat, um, you should go see Branches. Um, uh, not a Rotting Christ fan, I, I can tell. I, I, I didn't read Rotting Christ. I read Branches. <laughs> um, I thought this was interesting. Um, uh, Sebastian Bach and Michael Sweet uh, reconciled and played together on the Chris, on the the Crispy Cruiser. Uh, Chris Cruz. No, I'm thinking of ter- Terry Funk on uh, WCW <laughs> Saturday morning. Um, wow, uh, the Kiss Cruise, <laughs> and that's Cruise with a K. Um, I am uh, all about burying the hatchet. So kudos to them. Um, no offense to Sebastian, but at this point, Skid Row has a better singer. So I, I, I'm just not gonna. What else can I say? But I'm glad they mend, mended their mended their fences. Yeah, I mean, when stuff like that happens, the all that does is, is um, that just benefits the fans, like because they 100%. get to see, you know, K- Michael Kisk and Kai Hansen perform at Halloween, or or maybe you know, I someday wish that we'll see like Nightwish be able to do what Halloween's doing and go on tour with all their ex singers or, I think or maybe Ingve be... can um, do a tour with all of his ex singers, all 76 of them. That could be fun. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm sure, they're all, the Apple... I'm sure they're all lining up to work with him again. <laughs> I'm sure they are. I, I'm sure Soto is leading the pack and the aforementioned Jolyn Turner is right behind him. Yeah. Uh, this is an interesting, uh, quote rob halford says the glam metal scene was confusing to watch as a closeted gay man <laughs> i'm not touching that all i'll say is it must have been interesting because what i i, I mean you don't man woman you, you have no idea um but 
I'm sure it was confusing for a non-closeted straight man. I mean, the the the, the styles of the '80s are boy to uh, be on the Sunset on Strip and, in 1986. Yeah, when you like when they say like like everything comes back, like you know, I could definitely see like ripped jeans coming back. I could see like flannel shirts coming back, but like that that eighties that that big hair and the the and the the, the makeup and and the 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 neon outfits and the fr- and the and the, the the what do you ever call it the frilly stuff that <laughs> like you're like like yeah randy savage pulled it off but everybody else no not so much so, but he um, did it in 1998 so how do you pull that off yeah well when you're randy savage you can pull off anything that's there you go um yeah it looks like uh not not too much else uh, appears to be uh going on john bush thinks it would be cool to do some shows covering his time in anthrax I would be very curious to see that myself. I'm not going to lie. I think I, I whatever he does, I love. I'm actually going to see Armored Saint in about two weeks, three weeks, something like that. Uh, they're opening up for Wasp, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. I, anytime I can see him live is a treat. Yeah, um, I would like to. Uh, I would like to be able to do that myself at some point in time. Um, Cha 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 cha. Uh, yeah, I guess we could uh, wrap it up there. I think that's right. um, enough. Before we before we get to your uh, selection for next week, as I feel like it's been some time. But before we get there, please keep the requests coming. Join us on Facebook. Uh, join the chat. Lot, lots of people putting out some really cool stuff. I think you'll uh, want to check us out. Go to our Linktree page, and uh, all of our links are there to all of our social media, our Twitter, our Instagram. Our Facebook accounts and obviously our Spotify playlists as well. But that brings us to uh, next week, November fourteenth. What am I listening to this week? Oh wait, um, just one last thing. One more, uh, okay. Just to keep with the John Bush discussion. Apparently, uh, Armored Saint has a official documentary coming out called Band of Brothers, and that will be nice released soon. So uh, I just thought I would tack that on to. Uh, I like it. Our, I'll, te- our I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, so anyway, as far as uh, next week goes, um, uh, there's, a, there's a band that we've already talked about that I, I want – it's one of those things where when I, I, when I chose it the first time, it was like a difficult choice uh, for which album to choose. And I think I went with one that you were surprised um, that I chose because what I'm going to choose now – was the more obvious choice and um that's gamma rays land of the free um we we talked about somewhere out in space and i I, and i i happen to hold both albums in very high regard and i think most people probably would call land of the free like to you to use a phrase we use very often the magnum opus of gamma rays uh discography but um i i just feel like it just is one of those um one of those albums that just needs to be covered i think in full form and being that uh being that i'm going to be away on vacation i kind of wanted to choose something that wouldn't involve me having to um listen to it a whole bunch of times since i won't be sitting at my desk for uh, straight all week so here's an album that i really don't even need to listen to to talk <laughs> so about so you're cheating no yeah. I, I think that's a great choice i am shocked we're almost 125 episodes in and we have not discussed this album so it's definitely long overdue I have a little bit of worry, though, I'll be honest, and I'll just put it up front, and I'll kind of set the stage for next week. 
I have in my head hold this album in such high regard, but I haven't listened to it in forever. Like, I'll be honest, I just haven't listened to it in forever. I hope that I enjoy it as much as I used to. Not that I played it out, but I did play this album a ton. I'm really wondering what some of those deeper cuts towards the middle and back of the album are going to be like after 20, almost 25 years for me. And then obviously almost 30 years that the album's been out. I, it's going to be an interesting listen because it's been a while. And quite frankly, even Gamma Ray on a whole has been a while. I don't think I've listened to them since we did Somewhere Out in Space probably a year ago at this point, if not more. Yeah, um, I, I've always considered um, Land of the Free, Somewhere Out in Space and Power Plant, like the great Gamma Ray trilogy. I think that's when the band really... Um, found their sound and I think you know the fact that Kai Hansen um, became the full-time vocalist on Land of the Free kind of has something to to do with that Um, but uh, this was um, my first Gamma Ray album and my first experience uh, listening to them so um, I uh, like I said to you before like I have like probably 400 albums that are tied for the, the album I want to talk about next, and this just happened to be in that log jam. Um, I, I want to be clear. We're not talking about Land of the Free 2, right? We're just talking about the original? Of course, yeah. So okay, I just want to be clear about that. Yeah, because um, then, uh, then I'd have to actually do prep um, if we were doing <laughs> Land of the Free 2. I do not know I'm that. not sure I want to listen to that, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, I don't I know that been... nearly nearly as well. I, I know there's... Um, I know there's one song on that album that I think it was Rain, if that's the album I'm thinking of that I really, really like. But the later Gamma Ray albums, it was almost like, for me, there was always like a handful of songs I really liked and the rest was kind of forgettable. But these three especially, and I'll I'll finish the trilogy at some point and and probably ask you to to do an episode of Power Plant with me because I also feel like that, it just d- deserves to be in the discussion with these other two. Um, but uh, yeah, like no, I, I don't feel like anything Gamma Ray has done since those three albums have come close to, uh, to being as good as these three. So um, no, no, no argument for me. Uh, most importantly, enjoy your time off, get some, uh, get some much needed R and R and enjoy that Southern uh, heat. Where, where, where are you going? Um, we are going on a cruise to, um, not not a barge to hell, mind you, but just a regular old cruise. Uh, we're going to the uh, Bahamas, Jamaica, and Grand Cayman. Um, so we have a few excursions planned in each of the the different uh, islands, and um, and we have an uh we have a room with a balcony um, nice. somewhere right or in the middle of this fifteen tiered. <laughs> monstrosity um i i still first first cruise uh yeah yeah um i, I can't I, I have such a hard time wrapping my head around how they get these things to float um uh, it's on it's amazing um but uh yeah i'm really excited about it um i i've gone from being somebody who didn't even like um getting on an airplane to now like being excited about getting on a plane <laughs> flying to florida getting on a boat um boats have never been an issue for me so uh (laughs) that part like just hoping um i don't get like seasick or anything because other than that i'm just like very very excited and and i haven't had like a real proper vacation where i wasn't actually working or you know uh like i think the last trip i went to when i went to 
Raleigh, North Carolina. I worked while I was there. I recorded an episode of the podcast while <laughs> I was there. It's like, um, it's been a while. I think probably Hilton Head was the last time I've just had like a, a, a proper no work, no like, no BS, just, just vacation, vacation. So it's, uh, well, it's been a long time, Con. Well deserved. Enjoy your trip. And we'll come back next week and talk some classic Gamma Ray. Enjoy your week, bud. I will catch up with you soon. All right. Take care, buddy.